Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to Food for Thought. Your table is now ready. Your servers will be Nate Geary and Bruce Nolan. Our specials today are cold, hard facts and fresh, hot takes. Can I get you started with... I'm sorry, just one moment. Can I get a little energy in here? It up to you live on the Buffalo Rumblings Vidcast Network. I'm Bruce Nolan, that's Nate Geary, and this is Food for Thought, a show combining two of your three favorite F-words. That's right, food and football. The third one's farting because we're juvenile. Yes. Whoopee cushions, fart noises made. Just intrinsically laughing through your nose, snort laughing. That's clearly the third F. Get your mind out of the gutter. Mr. Geary, how are you doing this evening, man? I am fantastic, Bruce. Uh, it is a uh, beautiful day in Western New York. And by day, clearly it is night and clearly it is cold. Uh, there is some serious snow in the forecast for Sunday, of course. And uh, I will be attending, Bruce. My very first live Buffalo Bills game in the stands since 2017 against the Carolina Panthers in Carolina. So this will be um, a bit of a homecoming. I have been, Bruce, it will be now the last four Carolina Panthers games. I think wow. I have been to every single matchup against the Carolina Panthers it, probably ever. I want to say ever. Like I was there at the EJ Manuel game. Uh, I was there in the Zay Jones game. Uh, and hopefully there will be a blank game this Sunday. And hopefully it's like the Isaiah McKenzie game or the, mm, the Dane Jackson game where it's like three interceptions, which probably isn't that far off because the quarterback play up there in Carolina's, or I should say down there in Carolina's is quite poor. But I'm excited. Um, so if you um, are listening and you're a regular at the Bills games, the Bills tailgates, I will be, uh, my buddy Joe Marino will be joining me as well. He'll be meeting me out there at some point for a uh, a deliciously cold beverage. Um, but if you're hanging out, if you're around the, uh, the Abbott in Southwestern intersection, I will be tailgating behind the KK Food Mart, uh, serving up some uh, bourbon style pulled pork that I'm very excited about. And um, on that, 
pulled pork. We the vessel in which that pulled pork will be sitting on, Bruce, are some soft pretzel King's Hawaiian rolls. That's right. Soft pretzel King's King's Hawaiian rolls. So I'm pretty excited about what's on on deck on the menu for the game. And frankly, for being at a game, it's been a while since I've been able to kind of sit and enjoy and not have to worry about uh, writing something, taking notes, being uh, completely sober. So I'll be excited for a couple of beers, some delicious food, and uh, freezing my arse off. I am not jealous of your freezing your arse off. I am not jealous of the stadium experience. I am jealous of the food. Because let's be honest, that's really what we what we do here. And so for Timothy, who is on Facebook and is first time live listening to the show. Hello, Timothy. Tim, welcome. Welcome to Food for Thought. We hope you enjoy it. We hope you have a good time. Zach is chiming in. King's Hawaiian sliders are elite. You're absolutely right. If you follow me on Instagram at Bruce Exclusive, you will know that Mrs. Nolan is a big slider aficionado. We will take the King's King's Hawaiian. We will do buffalo chicken slider. We mm-hmm. will do Philly cheesesteak slider. We will do pulled pulled pork slider. It is a thing. Timothy says he's been listening to some Bruce and Nick Bat bringing it back. Old school, old Nick school. Bat. A day oneer. If I was Obi Wan, I'd be saying, "Now that's a name I haven't heard in a Ed, long, in a long, long time." time. Of course I know Bruce. He's me. Okay, so before we get started, <laughs> remember, like, subscribe, rate, review, mm-hmm. all the hit all the engagement buttons for me. Also, while I'm here, if you could do me a favor and go to your podcasting app and give us a review. Please. Say something about Food for Thought. Say something about the Bruce exclusive. Say something about Nate. Say something about me. Do the stuff. Because I feel like there's been a little bit since I got a review and I, I, I kind of, I kind of need, I, I, my ego is really fragile. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm making this all up. I really, I don't, my ego is not fragile at all, but listen, any excuse to get people to give a review. I guess I'll do like a good restaurant. Everyone likes to know how they can serve their customers better. And here at food for thought, we want to know how we can make your meal on a Friday night. You could be anywhere in the world, Bruce. And you just you decide to have a seat here at the food for thought table, and we want to make sure that a you are satisfied, but b you never leave hungry. Yeah, you know what? The fact that you were able to finish the tagline there, I think, is really good. And you know what? That makes me happy. You know what else makes me happy, Nate? Food. Food. Food makes me happy. <laughs> and so we're going to talk about foods that cheer yes. you up mm-hmm. tonight, and we're going to talk about foods we that cheer it. you up tonight. And it's a little different than comfort food, per se, but it's more comfort needed food. And that's different. When you need comfort, you find these foods. What are the foods? What are the go-to consumption items Mm -hmm. that will cheer you up? Nate, you've had a bad day. Mm -hmm. The Bills have lost two in a row, both in kind of heartbreaking fashion. That's right. Bills Mafia set itself on fire. And now, luckily, not literally. Yes. Luckily, not, not literally. Not literally, yeah. yes. We got to pull ourselves out of the slump. We got to go for Old Faithful. We got to go. There is no room for error here, Nate. We absolutely need to have the food that will cheer you up. Where are you going, Nate? So listen, I want to start by acknowledging Andy's um, 
contribution here uh, for those that will be listening. Sugary cereal is what Andy Anderson said is his go-to, you know, feel better food, his, his good feels food. Right. And, and I will say that a good Captain Crunch or one of my favorites, and we've already talked about this is, uh, is grape nuts. But that is more of an everyday, everyman yes. cereal. That's that that cereal. I am not eating necessarily, although I enjoy it. I am eating it because of the fuel that it provides me for the rest of my day. So that is not in the same vein of like a marshmallowy or a cocoa pebbles um, that I would just want to go down on. And by the way, I have one thing I'd like to say about cereal eaters is I have a cereal eater at my full-time job. He's an employee of mine. And he, every Wednesday, when we have our team meeting together, Bruce, he gets this bowl that's about, I don't know, about that tall, you know, almost like a mixing bowl. And I like where this he fills is going. about half the bag of cereal and about half of the quarter gallon of milk. It is absurd. He finishes like, he'll eat like a bite, wait 15, 20, 30 minute another bite all of a sudden an hour later he's still spooning this crap in his mouth it's soggy the 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 milk is warm those are the sorts of people you look out for in life the people that eat cereal over an extended period of time i need to get my cer- that's the great thing about grape nuts bruce absolutely they stay they hold crispy. up they hold up they 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 hold up in the milk for quite some time you don't have to be in a hurry but man there is something wrong with you if you're the guy that's letting the cereal get soggy and you're sort of eating it and it's congealed form. That's wrong. And I just wanted to go out. I just I wanted to make sure people knew that's not acceptable and not something that we acknowledge here on Food for Thought. But I think it's a great take. Um, I will start and tell you and Jr. Lucky Charms. That's correct. Um, so I want to go and tell you something that I believe belongs in a similar sized bowl. You know, that mixing bowl, too warmish. give it about 10 minutes after you pull it out of the oven, brownies. And this is very important, Bruce. They need to be middle brownie pieces for this particular dish. If I'm going to feel better, needs to be the middle brownie. I do not eat the edges of the brownie, but for this particular dish, it is incredibly important that they remain the two middle pieces of the brownie. So two brownie pieces. Again, I'm going to be very careful with how I tell you. It is exactly four full scoops of vanilla bean ice cream. Plop, 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 plop. And here's the kicker. Warm hot fudge just drizzled over the top. And when that starts to break down and the and the hot fudge starts to sort of melt that um that that delicious it's got to be vanilla bean. Get out of here with that French vanilla bullcrap, your traditional vanilla. I need the vanilla bean. That's the elite of the elite vanilla ice creams. That is my feel-good food. That is bringing me out of just about any funk that I can imagine. Pretty much, I mean, you name it, that's sort of my go-to. That's getting me out of whatever I need to get out of. We've got some good things in the comments. JR liked pizza so much, he put it three times. Pizza, pizza, wings, pizza. Richard Rush says, soft serve. Always cheers him up. Timothy says cinnamon toast crunch. Richard Rush chimes in again with surf and turf. Ooh. 
is good for the soul. So listen, Bruce, we're going to have a show uh, sometime in the not so distant future where we will have a full on discussion um, on our preferences of soft serve versus hard ice cream versus custard, because I think custard often gets lumped in with with soft serve. And I, I sir, they just could not be remotely the same. So I did. That's for another time. But I did want to just lay that out there. I think it's a good I think it's a good discussion to have. I think it's very important that we draw lines of delineation. That's and right. I think it's very important that we define everything as it should be defined because I think too often in the culinary conversation, we lump everything together. Everything is everything else, which is everything else, which is everything else. And you know what? Organization exists for a reason. We don't live like savages here at Food for Thought. So for me, the feel-good food is fairly variable, but I will tell you this. I have very, very, very rarely had a bad steak that I have made by myself at home with my wife making some sort of potato side dish. Real quick about Mrs. Nolan. Um, while we're on the topic of your brownie sundae, Mrs. Nolan was all the way with you until you said hot fudge. I would like to share with you potentially the worst food take that Mrs. Nolan has ever had. Okay. She does not like hot fudge. Is there a reason? To, is it because she prefers like the traditional just uh, like chocolate syrup? Or is I think it? She likes the oh. traditional chocolate syrup. But quite frankly, I've been telling her she needs to make a YouTube account and chime in the comments so she can defend herself in the event this ever happens. And she might be listening right now and texting me angrily in a few seconds. I'm not sure. So but is it a texture thing? Because I, I can get that when the hot fudge sort of meets the ice cream, it starts to is is gel the right word? Yeah, gel's the right word. Yeah, it gels in. But so I, I'll say this. Although that is my comfort, go f- like feel good meal. The 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 chocolate hard shell that comes out as the the chocolate syrup but then hardens around the ice cream magic shell i think that's yes magic called. shell um, so I, we have nolan, we have to I'm chime not, in i'm not mad at mrs nolan but i am slightly disappointed we have a chime in from mrs nolan she says no i just don't like chocolate on my ice cream it's goopy and gross i want vanilla okay. Those are the those are the things. So I think potentially the worst food take maybe of all time when it comes to Mrs. Nolan. And Andy in the comment section is right. Well, Bruce, no one is perfect. This at least proves she's a real human being. It's true. That's, I think I would true. have to show you some sort of flaw of Mrs. Nolan lest you forget that she is an actual human and not actually a, a literal goddess that is said. She's a figurative goddess. There's no question. Sure. But everyone has flaws. So my steak that I make at home, right? You'll get uh, a filet typically, and I will sous vide the filet yes. and I will sear the filet in avocado oil and Ooh. I will butter higher flashpoint, higher flashpoint. So you can get, so what means you can get hot, hotter, faster, and you can sear it really well. You get one wonderful color. You know, the Mar- Malliard reaction is fantastic. You get spoon some of that butter over there, salt, pepper, oh, yeah. brilliant, right? Other people's steaks are kind of hit and miss for me. When I go to a restaurant, it's usually fine. But like a steak that your buddy will prepare on the grill, it could be okay. It could be fine. It could be amazing. But 
when I want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am going to eat something that is good enough to make me slow my chew, that is my definition of feel-good food. It is something where you start your first chew, and after the first couple bites, you actually slow your chew down because you realize that what you are experiencing is bliss and you don't want it to stop. You don't want to get to that spot where you're coming down the home stretch. You're looking at the bottom of the pudding and going, there's no pudding. You know, you don't, you don't want to be at that spot. Right. So for me, a really good steak, my wife makes an unbelievable loaded potato casserole alongside it, but we could do anything alongside it and it would be amazing so for me the feel-good food is a steak that i make myself at home okay so we needed the process by the way the process by the way of making a steak is very especially when you get it right you Mm. get the right core temperature you don't have to put a thermometer inside Mm. you break into it after letting it rest for seven to eight minutes that first slice you go goes right down to the cutting board and boom, you have a perfect medium rare on the inside. There is nothing quite like that. One thing before we move on. Kevin says, I agree with Mrs. Nolan. Hot fudge texture is not an enjoyable experience. The hot brownie melting the ice cream adds the best agree experience. With that. Agree and with Mrs. That. Nolan, by the way, just so you know, Kevin, she just texted me and said, Kevin knows what's up. So okay. well. Mrs. Nolan, you need to just you need to just get a YouTube so you can be in the comment section and you don't, have to you, know, so you don't have to text you right yeah and i have to speak for her at that point okay if bill's tampa bay was a food what kind of food now this is i will level with you nate we do a lot of great segments on food for thought that i really enjoy this is one of my favorites. this is my favorite one yeah because every single week we're trying to one-up the creativity of each other when it comes to comparing right. a game to a food You'll notice I changed it from meal to food so I could get away with using a tall glass of water again if I ever want to. Damn straight. <laughs> Damn straight. So, Are you ready or do you want me to go? You go ahead and go first okay. because I know you've been working on it. Yeah. And yeah. I want to I cede the floor to you. If Bill's Bucks was a meal, it would be caviar. And the reason being is I have never myself tried caviar. I'm not sure, Bruce, that I've ever actually seen it in person but what i can tell you is that like that bills game had you told me that the bills would find themselves down in that football game early and often but found their way back in the second half flipped the script found their way back much like caviar had somebody offered me caviar at a fine dining situation first of all I would feel obligated to try it even though I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy it. I don't know, Bruce, what even the flavor profile of caviar is. But what I know... It's salty. It's really salty. Mm. Well, I was quite salty after that Bills game. But what I'll say, Bruce, is... What I'll say is, like caviar, that high level, that, that experience the... I don't know what the the things that that go with caviar, which is high class, fine dining, right? Tom Brady, fine dining, Tom Brady, best of the best, right? If you would have told me, I would have taken it that the Bills would have found a way to get that thing to overtime and have a chance to win. Fortunately, they go three and out, 
And you have to know, Bruce, that if you go three and out in that first drive, you give the ball to Tom Brady in overtime, it's over. Um, so I think for me, I kind of go back to the caviar thing because I don't know it. I don't know what it tastes like. But I would try it and I would take it if given the setting, just like I would take the Bills uh, kind of coming back in that football game and making it a game and at least entertaining because there was a point in that first half where Bruce, I was a little worried about what the conversation on this show was going to be like, but I think really the conversation nationally, I, I think the Bills earned a little bit of respect um, for the way that they played that second half. And uh, it wasn't a win. They did lose to Brady and Belichick in back-to-back weeks. But here we are. We're back in another food for thought. And um, I I don't know how you'll top it, but I have the feeling you've been working on something here, Bruce, that you will top my caviar take. If Bill's Tampa Bay was a food, it was a fast food combo meal and specifically a Wendy's fast food combo meal. And I will tell you why. Wendy's has the worst fries of <laughs> potentially any fast food restaurant but you know they're going to be bad so what do you do you eat them first you eat the fries before the sandwich that came along with the meal so you're getting through the first half of the meal you're getting through the first half of the meal and you're just going through the motions you're not enjoying it you showed up you did what you were supposed to do you're eating the things you say you're supposed to eat but you're not having fun No, you're not loving it. By the time you're halfway through the meal, you're like, what did I do here? Was this a mistake? But the second half is always better than the first because then you get to eat your jalapeno popper chicken sandwich. You get to have your baconator. You get to have the Asiago Ranch chicken club. You get to have whatever it was that initially caught your eye anyway after you powered through the half of the meal that you weren't ever going to enjoy anyway. The second half was better. And the second half was better of a Wendy's combo meal just like the second half was better in Bill's Bucks. Mm -mm. So for me, if I have to say that Bill's Bucks is a meal, it's a Wendy's combo meal. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. For those of us in the comments section, all right, come on, guys. Who had the better metaphor? Nate said Bill's Bucks was caviar. I said Bill's Bucks was a Wendy's combo meal. We want some chime in from the comments section. Who had the better metaphor? And while we are getting that, we are going to bring on our guest for the evening. He's going to chime in to let me know who had the better metaphor. Mr. John Ramsey from Yards Per Pass. Mr. John Ramsey, how you doing, dude? I'm good. How are you guys doing? It's a party all the time. Disco balls, dancers, right. the whole thing. It's just it's just a party. I literally I literally can't handle it. If they, if I was doing better, <laughs> they would lock me away and think I was crazy. I I do by the way. I do think he's crazy, so it's not That that that's that's pretty fair. I accept that. I accept that. Okay. So John, you were with us. You heard Nate saying that Bills Bucks was caviar. 
And you heard me saying that Bill's Bucks was a Wendy's combo meal. Who are you going with, man? You got to pick a side right off the bat. I mean, this is this is a pretty rough beginning to come. It's nuanced, the, is what it is. The John. Pod, yeah, yeah. The hard hitting you know, questions is what you get here at Food for Thought. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna honestly, I'm gonna have to go with the combo meal, just because, you know, caviar. You know, you, I, I've had it. You know, it, it's, you know, like it doesn't suck at first and then it's good. It's like it's good all the way through. Oh, is it? Yeah, I've, I've never had it. I've never it's had pretty, it. I mean, it's it, it's it's if I mean if you it's. You know, it, it is what it is. But if I think if you like it, you like the whole thing. Or if you don't like it, you don't like the whole thing. You know what I mean? And, yeah, you know, so that's that's why I got to go with, uh, you know, the mystery man over here on the. The mystery the, man. That's right. The, the Wendy's. Well, th- thanks so much for being here, dude. I really appreciate it, John. Yes. And, and when thanks, Nate John. told me that you were going to be on, I was like, yes, okay, let's do this. Let's go. And I am going to start off with a run game question that I want to talk to you about. Easy softball. Because softball. When the team that you follow is struggling with a run game and they have different ways schematically to be able to recover, I feel a lot of times there's two strains of thought when it comes to getting advantages in the run game, knowing that you may not have the personnel. Because halfway through the year, there's probably not going to be a drastic personnel change that is going to suddenly make your running game better. And one of the lines of thinking is that through the use of RPOs, you can make sure that you're always running into good looks. You're always running into good looks and you're not catching yourself in bad situations. You're running into ideal boxes. You're holding backside defenders. You're doing the things that need to be done in order to get good looks in the run game. The other line of thinking is that RPOs do not allow your offensive line to commit fully to the run because obviously can't be downfield and that designed runs from under center are going to be able to have your offensive line behave more aggressively and be able to really commit to a running play and get success that way. But those ideas are conflictual. The RPO idea, the idea that, okay, we're, we're going to make sure we're running into good looks versus the designed run under center stuff, which says, you know what? We need to fully commit to this run play. We need to make sure everybody's fully committed. There's no, it's a Ron Swanson thing. Never whole ass, no, sorry, never a half ass two things, whole ass one thing. That's the Ron Swanson theory, right? And there are two lines of thinking when it comes to that. And I feel like with the amount of RPOs that the Buffalo Bills ran, specifically in the first half last week, they may be of the first opinion and other people may be of the second opinion. And I kind of want your thoughts on it because we know that, there's, you know, Adrian Peterson prime version is not walking through that door. That's not happening. So with the idea that you're not going to get personnel upgrades at this point, John Feliciano coming back will help in the run game. I'm sure. Cause he's, you know, nothing, if not a reasonable run blocker who brings aggression and physicality to the line. Where do you fall on this? So I'm strictly a guy that thinks the run game is numbers. You know, I, I, you, you look at the box, if you got five blockers and you got five guys in the box, you run it. If you've got six, you know, you, you, you throw it, you know, using your, your, you know, your RPOs, you know, zone read type thing, you know, you, you can account for an extra guy, but 
you know, this they're not built to run. They're, this is just not a running team. Why why keep smashing your head into the in, into the wall trying to run it? Now, is is the play action better from under center? Yeah, I, I think it is. I don't think their shotgun play action game is is very good. But you, you know, you you throw the ball, you throw to win, you run to run the clock out. I mean, that's the the long and the, the short of it. You, you score points and then then run later when you you know when you need to take six minutes on the drive. But so I guess you could put me in the RPO uh, throwing camp, and I I I guess you both are in in the same as well. I would consider myself in that camp, John. Um, but I guess a part of the follow-up question to this RPO question, I think, starts from this is this is a broader, more philosophical question and a stance. Has RPO have RPOs, particularly in the Bills sense, and maybe just in the Bills vein, has it ruined their ability to run the ball in a more traditional sense? Meaning has this RPO game, the way that they run it, has it sort of had an effect on everything else they they do? Because I look at the Miami Dolphins, and it's a crutch because that's really all Tua can do. And this offense is more than RPO. The problem is, John, is they've struggled so much to run the ball traditionally or conventionally that RPOs have really allowed them to remain at least borderline effective. But it's really pushed them away from any conventional success running the football. And I guess the follow-up is, does it matter? Like, does this team, does any team, do winning, does the winning, winning formula include running it in the quote conventional sense? I mean, I, I think, that, you know, I don't mean to go to the whole physicality argument, but, you know, you played, you know, there there is something about, imposing your will on another team now i think you can do that out of the shotgun i think you can i think you can beat the crap out of people you know running rpos but for some reason this team struggles to do that and so i you know i think you know doing it traditionally just if they could you know i think they would but i just think that they know that they they're not good at it so they're just they're just being smart, like not throwing the ball, not running it against Tampa. Gr- tremendous run defense. They suck at running. Why Why run it in the first half? You know, they had the RPOs, but, you know, you, I mean, you guys watch it. Josh, he keeps everything. You know, he he, yeah. he, he almost has, to a fault, John. Almost yeah, to a fault. I agree. Yeah. He, 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 but he, that, I think just because he knows, you know, he, he's not stupid. He, he's like, shit, I can hand it off or, you know, I can, I can try to hit, you know, Hit hit the the curl outside for you know ten yards and you know he I think he'd rather take his chances on hitting the and read options the same John and and I and listen I I want to maybe recognize that Josh is is probably self aware I think he recognizes much like I do much like a lot of people do if you had the choice to have the ball in the hands of Josh Allen or Devin Singletary Zach Moss I want the ball in the hands of the quarterback and I know you hear guys like Bruce Arian after that game said well you know maybe I don't you know put the ball in the hands of my quarterback as much as, as the bills did in that game. But when you are in the position, the bills are right now, which is still really searching for their identity. I think they found it in the second half, John, I, I just, what were some of the things going back and watching that game in the second half that they were able to do with Devin Singletary in particular 
that had that success breaking off those runs. I mean, five for 59 or something like six for 59 in the second half. And I don't want to say that the run game was a catalyst, but it's hard to ignore or hard not to ignore the fact that the offense was playing a lot like the team we recognize from 2020 and maybe from earlier parts of this season when that running game really, really brought the safeties up. It really forced them to reconsider blitzing because the run game was beating them behind it. Yeah. So I, I actually think the, the the big runs they hit were they, they got them in in some blitzes. They caught them. I mean, that's it wasn't like you know they were rushing four and they you know they just blocked it up real nice. They caught them in a couple overload blitzes. Uh, I think the big one to Singletary, uh, David was coming off the corner and it it worked. I mean he. And Singletary cut it right up in, inside. It was it was just like a great play call for the blitz that they caught got caught him in, and that's what they did. I think they, the Breeders run. I think they caught him in a blitz. Even Allen's that big. I think that touchdown they caught him in something. So it, it's it's not like they are, you know, blowing people off the ball and imposing their will. It, it this is almost it's almost a changeup. You know, it's it's. It's this is you know the pass the pass game is the fastball and this is the, the show me curve just to make sure that you're not you know sitting on the fastball. I do want to say though one thing that I haven't seen and I know I was going back you know reviewing everything for this they had they had an option play in off of uh in off of uh they had an option play with Singletary and McKenzie set up but Josh kept it and I just wonder if we'll, we'll see it again. It's like a, they were. They, Josh had the option to hand it to Singletary, and uh, McKenzie was going to be the pitch man, but uh, Josh kept it. So I just, you know, they, they had they had a couple tricks in there for him, but they, you know, Josh, Josh kept him. But I don't, I can't really blame the quarterback. He was fantastic. So yeah, throw the ball or you know run the triple option. I mean, come on, let's be honest. <laughs> Why not? Let's just go full Navy. Everyone wants to go full Navy, and I, I want to talk a little bit about Devin Singletary because something popped up in my consciousness recently in regards to Devin Singletary. And that was that pro football focus did a study on runs that were perfectly blocked up versus runs that had at least one block that failed pretty early on in the run. And they were sorting the yards per carry of each of the running backs in the NFL on blocked plays that did not go perfectly, right? Plays that had a breakdown of some sort. Look who showed up in the top 10 of that list. But Devin Singletary, here's the exhaustive list of the top 10. Nick Chubb, Tony Pollard, James Robinson, Cordero Patterson, Chase Edmonds, Miles Sanders, Javante Williams, Devin Singletary, Dearness Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott. Eighth in the NFL in yards per carry on runs that were not perfectly blocked up. First off, does this surprise you when you see this? Devin Singletary's name amongst this top 10 list. And number two, are we in a spot now where maybe it swung too far away from Singletary with all the Zach Moss RB1 hype? And then we had the Breida thing come in. And here, Singletary's just, you know, chugging along, being a perfectly reasonable running back. Has it gotten to the point now where he's almost underrated? Or is this not surprising to you at all? And this is exactly what you thought he was going to be. Singletary is really weird. Uh, he, he's well because he's not athletic. Yeah, he te- tests poorly, but he's really 
I can say the F word on this, right? That's no problem. Hey. All right. There, this is this is late night. This is late night Friday podcasting. Okay. Go he's, crazy, John. He, he's really quick. Like he and and so he he will make guys just look stupid. But if it's if you're running like a normal you know, normal outside zone play. It just feels like he's just slow to, to get there. It's, it's real. like if, if, if you had him in a telephone, when he tries to tackle a guy in a telephone booth, you don't want to tackle Devin Singletary. He'll make you miss. But if it's like a foot race, he just doesn't look athletic. And then, but then he'll break off like a 30 yard run and you'll wonder where, where it came from. So he, he, he's very, uh, I, I don't think he's that great of a pass blocker. I know, I know some people like him in the past game. I don't really like him in the past game. I think that's why Moss plays more because I think he's the best pass blocker. Brita had a terrible block, you know, against the Bucks, but Brita, Brita just looks so much faster, so I mean, much faster. And, and so I, I Singletary, you know, like you said, Bruce, with the you know the advanced stuff, I've seen some of the advanced stuff that really that really likes Singletary, uh, but he he always runs into uh, uh, light boxes. I think he's one of the highest in the mm. league running in, into light boxes. So you got you got less guys to make miss, but I mean, should he be punished for being successful at that? I I don't know, but he, he, I, this sounds such like a cop out, but it's it, it's an eye thing. Like I just don't. He's fine. He's it's the best way I can describe him. He's he's fine. You know, I don't I don't know what else to say. It's a terrible answer, but I think <laughs> what do you guys it's, think? I, like that's sort of meh. Right. Like just like the run game in general, he leads it. He's the least sexy. He provides probably the least NFL out of the box skill set. When you look at Moss, he's got NFL traits. He's got that physicality. He can get downhill. I think he's actually quite a good, to your point, pass blocker. I also think he's decent in the pass game. He can make a couple of good. He's got good hands, but there is just something. There is a disconnection. Um, It has not hit. Zach Moss yet. And with Matt Breida, he's got a fatal flaw. He can't hang on to the ball. And uh, when you can't, when you can't trust a guy um, at a position that it seems like you're looking for one guy to give a reason to trust Breida makes it really difficult. And obviously to your point, John, he missed that block. And I mean, he barely played again after that. Um, But I I think with this running game, you know, you start to see what happened in the second half. Emmanuel Sanders goes out of that game, John. And, and I want to know what your overall thoughts here of Gabriel Davis are, because I think for me, I still sit in this world that ideally, if, if I just, if in a perfect world, Gabriel Davis is probably in the position that he has been all season, but I think I'd like a, a more youthful, maybe more athletic at this point in his career than Emmanuel Sanders. I think, I think Sanders started out of the gates hot this year, but he started to look his age. Um, and, 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 and it's, it's, it, you could tell John that it's slowed down a little bit for him, but the one area that I've always liked the idea of Sanders in this offense, John is against zone, because I think he is a really nuanced player. I think he understands where the soft parts of the zone are, where to settle and where not to. And I think that's why it appeared that he and Josh were on the same page early, even though there hadn't been that, 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 that amount or volume of reps. I think it really was simply Sanders experience. And Allen not quite playing yet at this point of his career with a player who understands where to sit down and that that communication that 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 unspoken communication on the field was sort of hitting right off the bat because it just Sanders knew where to go and he knew where to be he knew where to settle down and now that this offense has struggled over an extended period and we see we, we see Gabriel Davis back in the lineup in a big way and had a big impact on that game 
where do you stand right now with, with Gabriel Davis's role in the offense? Is this a thing? Are you expecting now that with the, with the extended opportunity to see more playing time, more snaps, that this is his moment to maybe take that wide receiver two job and run with it for the rest of the year, even when an Emmanuel Sanders is healthy and back in the lineup. So I, th- I think it's Mike Lombardi, you know, the, the ex Pats guy wrote the good book. He says, I'm pretty sure it's him says you want a wide receiver core, like a basketball team. You know, you don't want five of the same guys, you know, you need, you need different guys with different strengths. They can do different things. Davis is, Davis is the only real receiver that can block on this team. The, the other three don't, you know, I'm talking Beasley, Sanders, and Diggs. They don't block real well. I mean, I mean you, you've seen some of these these screens that they've tried to run out there. They they just get blown. I mean, they just get blown up because you know they tried throwing those little quick ones to Beasley a few weeks ago, and you know they don't block for anyone. So that's why you see Kumaro in. That's why you see Davis in on a lot of these, you know, run plays, you know, you could tell the run package has come in. You, you, they shuffle the wide receivers and, uh, you know, depending on what they want to do, look at, look at where they went to Davis the past two weeks in the red zone. He's, he's, he's bigger. He's more physical. You know, they hit him on the, the plate of the Patriots for a touchdown. They hit him again on, on basically the same thing, uh, you know, against Tampa. It was against, you know, a, all-out blitz. They hit him on the little, the little skinny post. I, I, I don't know if he's super athletic or not, but he's definitely adds something different, and it sure seems like Josh trusts him, which I think can never be uh, undervalued. You know, you just go look at Aaron Rodgers. You know, GM Aaron Rodgers getting a couple of his boys back because he trusts them. And, you know, I got, you know, a couple of friends played football with all my life. You just, when, when you, when you vibe with a guy, you know, where you just trust him, you know, where he's going to be. And it, it's stupid, but it, it matters. I mean, it, it really does trusting your receivers because if, if you just won't throw to him and it kind of eliminates, you know, a, a progression on the play. If you, if you really don't want to throw to a guy. So yes, one last like- question before we get you out of here. So Autumn in the comment section says, do you think he would benefit with more snaps to get in the room talking about Devin Singletary? I want to ask you a little bit about this. I want to ask you specifically about the running back rotation and the defensive line rotation. From a philosophical standpoint, one of the things that's come up a lot this year is that idea of getting into the groove. This idea that fewer people getting more snaps will lend itself toward rhythm whether that's pass rushing or running the ball. Are you someone who ascribes to that concept on the defensive line and in the running back room? Do you think that having fewer people getting more snaps will lead to a net positive? Or are you a big fan of let's keep them fresh, let's rotate them, let's specialize them? Where do you fall on this? So, good question. Uh, I uh Seth Walder, I think ESPN's uh, analytic main analytics guy, actually shot him a note about this, asking if he had any data, if anyone has done any research on the defensive line thing. Like, do they notice that guys are more productive, you know, with, you know, more rest, so to speak? Because, you know, obviously the Bills are very much into, you know, rotating guys through. I, I think they overdo it a little bit. I mean, I, I – I, I want my best guys out there a little bit more than they than they do, but 
you know, I, I don't think they have anyone either that is of the caliber of either the the two defensive ends they're going to face on Sunday. You know, Carolina, you know, you know, Burns, you know, and I think uh, Redick, it, it just, it's Redick, isn't it? Yeah. Yes, Hassan yeah, Redick yeah. and Ryan Burns. Yeah. 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 I mean, they are fast. They are, I mean, they, they fly off there. And I don't, you know, the Bills have Jerry Hughes, who's who's doing well for an older defensive end. But I don't think that, you know, taking him off the field and putting a fresh guy in is, is you know, killing them. Is The run game, I the run game I think is more important for the line. Like, like, you know, I, I, if the, the hole's there, the hole's there, uh, run and make your play. I, I don't, I don't really subscribe to the, the groove thing when you don't have a guy that is, uh, you know, head and shoulders up above, above the others. You know, I'd be pissed off if it was Thurman Thomas and, you know, Kenny Davis, we all love Ken Davis, but Thurman's a hall of famer. I'm not taking Thurman off the field. I, I don't think there's a, big enough difference between any of the guys in the line or in the running back backfield where it, they should really, you know, change their, their philosophy on it. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here, John. Yeah, brother. You, before uh, you get out of here, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you, what you're up to, you know, pitch. He's not golfing, unfortunately. No, he's not golfing. Uh, it's a, it's a shame. I, you I know, know, I, I, I I could it was sixty degrees. I, I I got a little tear in the MCL. I was playing my ball hockey league tour, so I couldn't even go out. Anyways, you no one gives a shit about that. But um, <laughs> I I'm just I'm just on Twitter now uh, at yards per pass. Uh, you know, three kids have have taken a lot out of the 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 real the real football work I can do. But you know, feel free to follow me. I try and tweet out the gifts as much as I can. I know some people have gotten shut down on it. I'm still legal apparently. So I try and put them out as much as I can, uh, do some memes, uh, troll some opposing teams, fans, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, try, try and do that. Yeah. as old as time, my friend. Yeah. Yes. Yes, definitely. Uh, but yeah, it's a good, you know, I'm always on Twitter. Shoot me a message. If you got a question or anything, uh, follow you guys, you know, you guys do great work. I don't have the mustache Nate does, but few do. Few do. Beggars, <laughs> beggars, you know. I'm 41 now. I'm old. You know, I, I can't pull it off anymore. John, thanks so much for being here, man. I really appreciate yeah, boss. it. Thanks, thanks buddy. guys. Have a good one. Appreciate Catch you later. Hey, Merry Christmas too. Yes. Happy holiday. Whatever you whatever you celebrate. I hope it's a good one. Merry Christmas to you too, man. Talk okay. to you soon. Late. All right, we did it. We did the yards per pass thing. I kind of feel like we should have opened with like yards per pass statistics just to like set the yeah table just to really set the for stage that conversation yeah. you know what i mean i feel like we definitely should have done that but okay, you know, this though, is, go ahead i was gonna say bruce i we we kind of broached on it and you know listen offense is the sexy thing to talk about we do a lot of it on this show we talk about offense and that's fair that's what people want to talk about i think the defensive line is a topic we should probably at least broach and talk about here for a few moments before we sort of get into our winners and losers of the week and and uh, get into some questions in our chat box. Um, and scheme, obviously, which is an important one, uh, Bruce. But um, I've 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 sort of been outspoken over the last couple of days of of being kind of disappointing and disappointed in this Bills defensive line. And I have been, and and I, and I think you're. It's okay to be disappointed. I I think you know we continue to use pressures as a statistic that um that that I think show efficiency that shows the ability to get to the quarterback. 
Um, because as we know, I do believe that sacks, true sacks are a quarterback, are a quarterback stat. And I think the bills over the last couple of weeks have played quarterbacks that do a great job of getting out, getting rid of the ball, uh, very quickly. And you played a Mac Jones in a Patriots team a couple weeks ago that threw the ball three times. So not a lot of opportunities for sacks, but this defensive line to me, Bruce, and, and, and John made a great point about the freshness and, and rotating people in and out. Cause we know that this bill's defensive line, this coaching staff, they really like to bring in and out, uh, those, those defensive linemen to keep them fresh, but. I I'm having I'm having trouble finding one guy that I can say in a, in a pinch and a third and five in a third and seven a a pin your ears back speed rush bull rush whatever I I just don't have a go to guy at, at the at the edge or in the interior to get after the passer and I think it's the one thing this defense knew they needed to get better at and they didn't. I mean, they just, they didn't, I want to say, I'll give them benefit of the doubt and say this, Bruce, that they are probably at par with what they were last year, maybe a quarter step back, but they are certainly not better. And they certainly spent the resources to get better. And that's really one of the reasons why I asked John about this, because I had a feeling what the answer was going to be. And the answer was going to be exactly what I thought it was going to be, which is, well, sure. When you have an impact guy, then you shouldn't rotate as much. And the natural counter to that is you spent enough capital to have an impact guy. You didn't spend two seconds, you know, and a first to get in the last couple of years, plus Addison, plus a top 10 pick in Ed Oliver. You didn't spend these things to get a defensive line that needs to rotate so heavily because they don't have an impact defender. Now, the sum is still reasonable. We would agree it's reasonable. But the assets that you spent don't validate reasonable. So the ass, no one's saying that the well no one should be saying the Bills defensive line is bad or the Bills pass rush is bad because you don't no. know what bad pass rush is. Correct. If you think it's bad. But I'll tell you that it's disappointing relative to the investment. Yeah, which is a completely ROI. different discussion. ROI. Yeah, ROI. Agreed. Return on investment. If you had invested a couple fourths and you received this, this would be crazy positive. You're ROI. saying correct. You are saying, hey, we're getting we're getting contributions. We're getting pressures. This isn't the worst thing in the world, for considering the amount of value we have placed into the position and have spent on the position. The problem is a first and second round pick. I am. I would like to go through the league, Bruce, and I would like to know, and we can do this exercise. Maybe we could do it later on, uh, maybe next week when we record. But if you go through that second round, how many guys are sitting as much as Boogie Basham is? I don't know, and I would love to know, Brandon Bean sitting in his office at home, watching film, thinking to himself. I, I would love to know what his true thoughts are about the Boogie Basham pick because it's been really just, it's been an utter disappointment. Well, if you'd like to, we can do that because I have it pulled up in front of me. So we can pull this up and just really, you know, obviously we're not going to pull up the snap counts for everybody, but we have a good idea of these people and how they're playing. So while we do that, we do not have an email. So please, if you are in the comment section, if you have a question or a take or something, now is the time. Go ahead and put it in while Nate and I look at the second round of the 2021 draft and see who's sitting and who's starting 
and who's making a significant impact. So let's start at the top. Tyson Campbell, Jaguars playing. Elijah Moore, Jets, impact and now hurt. Impact. Javante Williams, Broncos, impact. impact. Javon Holland, Dolphins, impact. Landon Dickerson, Eagles, playing. Deep offensive line. He's a rotational player, but playing. Not Christian not in street clothes. Oh, coming on. Impact. impact. Tevin Jenkins had the back surgery, right? Was out, yep. phasing his way in. Richie Grant, Atlanta, yep. playing. Levi Awutsuriki from Washington was Detroit. Play. Playing. Liam Eikenberg, the Dolphins. Starting. Trevin Merrick, Vegas, uh, Raiders, playing. Playing. Kelvin Joseph Cowboys is Kelvin not playing, Kelvin, not, not playing, but okay. he's but he's dressing. Okay. Walker Little, Jacksonville Jaguars. Couldn't tell you. Me neither. I need, we I could just skip all the Jaguars picks if you want. <laughs> Jackson Carmen <laughs> Bengals playing. Asante playing. Samuel hurt, but very good. But playing. Aaron Banks, 49ers. Playing. Playing. Rondale Moore playing. Azizo Jalari playing. Sam Cosby not playing well. But playing. Jeremiah Wusukoromoa playing. Starting, playing. Right. Dylan Raditz, not really. Not much. Yeah. Dayu Odebegabo, uh, Indianapolis Colts. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes, playing. He's rotation. Just, rotational. Uh, j- yep. uh, just came on recently, right? Yep. Yep. Pratt Firemuth playing and killing it. Yep. Dwayne Eskridge starting to see some playing time in Seattle. Yep. Tutu Atwell returning kicks and mm-hmm. is doing kind of what everyone thought he was going to do in the NFL. Bolton playing, playing Terrace Marshall, not playing a lot, but to be fair, to be fair, it was always going to be DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson mm-hmm. there. It was always going to be there. The disappointment for me is that Terrace Marshall isn't really grabbing a hold of the third wide receiver job, which is, which they are just Panthers. begging for someone to do. Yeah. Pete Werner Saints, playing Carlos Basham bills, not playing Josh Myers Packers playing, right? Yeah, I'm going to close my ears for this next one. Creed Humphrey, Kansas City Chiefs, dominating. Okay, we found one. We found one. Kyle Trask, not playing behind Tom Brady. No. There we go. Yeah. So I think what that little exercise did is I want to say that barring injury, that Boogie Basham has probably had the least amount of impact of any rookie second round pick, short of Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask. Yeah, I think I don't think that's a that's an unreasonable statement. No. And when you package it with the fact that you really thought AJ Epinesa had a chance to be this to be his second year, I mean, obviously we have a tendency to kind of find reasons to excuse things. And last year there was a built-in excuse for AJ Epinesa, which was the body recomposition. There was a built-in excuse for him. This year, after the Miami game, we said, "Look, AJ Epinesa is coming on," and he's not. So let's go to the comment section. Thank you guys so much for taking the opportunity and dropping this in there. Number one, Autumn says, do you think it's lack of talent or a lack of development and coaching specifically when it comes to the defensive line? It's a good question. I don't think it's ever going to be either. I think it's always going to be both. However, I agree with that. However, if you look at Carolina, a lot of the dominance that was associated with Carolina defensive line came from the middle. Mm Mm-hmm. It came from K1 short. And if Ed Oliver became a top five defensive tackle in the league, then I think you'd be looking at this a little different. 
So for me, part of this, I think, is stylistic and what they want from their defensive line. And then part of it is the things that they thought they were going to get out of A.J. Epinesa didn't happen. I think another part of this is they overstated what they have this year, and so they were allowed to take Boogie Basham because we mentioned that after Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison are at the end of this year, there's a lot of snaps up a for grabs. Snaps. And but so, Bruce, wouldn't you say the most disappointing part about the struggles on the defensive line or maybe lack of success is how much it yearns for something, for someone? And the mm-hmm. fact that it's sort of sitting there begging, saying like, we, anything, just, we just, we just need some competence. We need some burst. We need a little bit of bend. We need some athleticism. You can't find like, Bookie's not showing enough in practice to get any of those to just to get an opportunity. I, I think when you, you know, one of the things I was questioning with the Boogie Basham pick is what do they want him to be? And are we going to see another body recomp with Boogie Basham? Because he was also that can he reduce down inside and play three tech kind of player, just like and he, just hasn't. Was. he just and hasn't. He hasn't. And you wonder, are we going through another body recomp thing with Boogie Basham? Are they going to ask him to play at, you know, 250? Because Boogie Basham is a pretty good athlete. I mean, 9.38 RAS score. So athleticism, you know, 40-yard dash and 4.62. His 10-yard split was 1.63. You know, he's got athletic talent. So for me... I just, I feel like they're almost putting a square peg in a round hole with some of these players. And Can I say this too about the defensive line, Bruce, is it feels like Brandon Bean is always trying to recreate someone in the, in the light or the vein of someone else, right? Uh, you mentioned Kwan Short. That's, that's what you're looking for in Ed Oliver. Can, can I, can I mention someone else that, that I think he was looking for Boogie Basham to be? Charles Johnson. I think he was looking, I mean, Almost the exact same profile, same weight. I think, you know, just about the same height. I think Johnson's 6'2", Boogie might be 6'3", borderline 6'4". Like, they are, those are very similar profiles, very similar players. And I, I he just re, he just brought in Star. Like, he didn't even try to find somebody that can play Star as well. He just brought in Star Latula. Same with, uh, with, with Vernon Butler. Like, he just tries to recreate the same things that he's had in... in in the system that Sean McDermott thrived in. Right. And, and we know that those sorts of players played well in McDermott system in Carolina, but I think he needs to stop recreating what he had there and start realizing that the league has shifted in the types of talent that it needs on the outside, the Brian Burns, the bend, the speed, the, the hand fighting. Those are the things right now that are winning in the NFL. And they don't have anybody Bruce with that bend, with the length combined with the speed. And I think that's why they're, they're struggling the way that they are. It's one of the reasons why I, when I was doing a mock draft for Brandon Bean this particular year, I drafted a player who had zero sacks last year from Penn State, who's performing pretty well for the Baltimore Ravens. And I got a little bit of hate, but I thought that Brandon Bean was going to value freak athleticism in that spot. That's what I thought we were going to see. And it didn't end up working that way. And when Gregory Rousseau got picked, I did not receive a lot of love on Twitter, because what I said was, I don't really love it. I don't, I I didn't come out strongly negative against it, but I was like, I I don't really, I don't really love it at that point. So 
that's my take on the defensive line. Let's go to Richard Rush. Richard Rush says, what soup do you like that you don't have often? Mine is French onion soup. That is what I don't have often. I would I, I would say that that fits the 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 mold of not having often. Here's another one uh, to, to to throw in for ones that I enjoy but don't have often. Italian wedding. You know what? I was going to say Italian wedding soup and you just stole it from me. So you know what? I'm going to have to go something else. All right, here we go. I don't have potato soup that often. Now, I don't have a ton, but my wife makes it occasionally. And the secret, I think, is using shredded potatoes instead of cubed. Mm. I think that's a huge part of making potato soup excellent. And potato soup is more bisky, correct? Like it's more Absolutely. of a... Okay, okay. A now, I, don't have lobster, I don't have lobster bisque a lot. I like that too, but it's so rich. Yeah, it's by very the time rich. I'm done with it, I'm like, I don't need to have that again for another like year. Year, yeah. And I'm, and I'm the good. other one. So the I could tell you that almost every time I've ever been to Texas Day Brazil, I've that's usually where I get like lobster bisque because I'm there. I've spent sixty dollars on my meal. So on top of strictly eating beef, I'm not. Don't even get that chicken. Get those sausages the hell away from me. No offense to the to the garlic parm chicken, which I like a lot. But when I spend $60, I am only eating filet and shank and, you know, you name it. But like strip steak and, and they got um, – I, I try to go with the with, – and I stay away from the, from the salad bar entirely, by the way. So bisque and beef when I go and spend $60 at, at Texas Day Brazil because I'd like to, you know, like to get my money's worth. Absolutely. 100%. Ooh, corn so- chowder. Zach says, do you feel Bean should attempt to make a significant trade to address the D-line? Yes. He appears to not be having measurable success in drafting game changers on the defensive line. This yes. is really important. Who? Who is available? That is well, a Chandler, Chandler, Chandler Jones is available in free agency. Yes, he is. And he's, he's also, old, so he's, he's not going to get some long-term deal. No. Would you be okay with that? Would you be okay with dropping yes. twenty million dollars a year for two years on Chandler yeah. Jones? Because you're going to have to give him two years, forty-five million, probably. Yes, you're cool with it after everything else that the Bills have invested in that spot. I mean, you're going to have to walk away from. You're going to have to try to find a way to part with a star, which you can do in a post June first, make it palatable. You're you're moving on from from Addison and and, and Hughes. Um, you're moving on from Vernon Butler. Um, you know, you're probably not re-signing Harrison Phillips. So therefore you have a ton of holes. You've got Epinesa, you've got Russo and what better player in the NFL right now? Would you rather have take Gregor Russo under his wing than Chandler Jones? Well, I don't know if they're similar players from a stylistic standpoint, not a stylistic standpoint, but I always thought that how, Eric how Armstead to use was the like size. the, I always thought Eric Armstead was the player, which is why I thought it was so weird that they were like, yeah, you know, we, we like him a little thinner. I was like, you wow. think he's a three, four defensive end is what you're saying. I think that if you're going to use the length, I'd rather have him use it from five tech than from seven and nine. Okay. And, and I, don't, was, I, don't, was, I don't disagree. That was why I always thought it was weird. I always thought it was so weird that the bills drafted Rousseau and they were like, yeah, he's a four, three defensive end. And I'm like, I mean, yeah, I mean, I get it. Like I'm, I'm cool with, it. I can see that scenario, but if he's a four three defensive end, then he's flowers. That's what he is as a 4-3 defensive end. Yeah. Right? And that's, that, that's the ceiling. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about that ceiling of Flowers, Eric Flowers level of, of ceiling when it comes to that. But I always thought he was Eric Armstead. 
That's what I thought he was. And that, that's, that's, a, that's a similar style player who has really succeeded in that role. And I was like, this, it seemed like a weird fit. Like it was, I was so sure of that comp from a, this is stylistically what this player I think is going to be good at that. I was almost a little shocked when Marcel Louis Jacques took Gregory Rousseau in the ESPN mock draft. And then sure enough, dude absolutely nailed it. Yep. Absolutely nailed it and ended up being a pick. And I was like, I mean, okay, I, I get it. I don't, I don't hate Gregory Rousseau. I just, it doesn't I'm like, all right, cool. You know, I, I get it, but it's going to be interesting to see. So we got some, got some chime ins here on the soup. Diggs says split pea soup, Ooh, ham, ham bone. bone soup. Lone Wolf says corn chowder. Not a split pea yeah. guy myself. I'm just, I'm not a split pea guy. I'll level with you. I don't think I've had split pea in a long time. What about wonton soup? Haven't had wonton in a little bit. Wonton, yeah. Calvin Butcher says lobster bisque. Absolutely. Okay, so moving along. You know what time it is. It's time. Winners and losers, ladies and gentlemen. The final thing of the evening. Go ahead and chime in the comments for your winners and losers of the week. Start winners with and losers start from with this winners? week in the NFL. Let's start with winners. Let's do it. You want to go first? Yeah. Let's do winners. Yeah, sure. Um, I want to make Brandon Staley my winner because everyone's calling him a loser. And I am so glad I, I heard his interview this afternoon um, talking about the decisions that he made on going for four fourth downs or all fourth and short. And it was not a failure of a decision. It was a failure of execution. And what I loved hearing from him is, you know, those are plays in the course of a game that can win or lose you a football game. They happen to be on the wrong side of those plays but that he's going to continue to coach with that same sort of style and same, same aggressiveness. And in those situations, he's not going to lose trust because his team did not execute in those moments. And I love that. I, you know, I think he's probably, I think you can make a case that maybe he is sometimes over aggressive. Um, but man, if you're going to die, you know, if, if you're going to lose and you're going to fade away, fade away, you know, trying to win instead of trying to stay in or play to not lose or, or play to win instead of playing not to lose. And I love that, that, that style. And I know not everyone agrees with, you know, when and how and the the timing of those calls and when to go for it. And Hey, if you would have kicked one of those field goals, you know, maybe they win that game and maybe that's right. Um, but against the chiefs field goals, there, there are teams in this league and offenses in this league that field goals will not win you football games. So I appreciate the mindset, I appreciate. That was a very, very entertaining football game on Thursday night. So my biggest winner is Brandon Staley. My biggest winner of the week is something that happened last night, and it directly impacted my ability to potentially win a Dynasty Fantasy Football Championship this year. My biggest winner of the week is Travis Kelsey. Is you? Yeah, it's me. It's me for having Travis Kelsey. No, it's Travis Kelsey. And I think that over the last couple of weeks, Travis Kelsey has been fairly quiet. And there has been, whenever you have a player who is in his 30s, who gets fairly quiet, the rumors start to kind of spin. And when yeah. you have players who are young and dynamic, like Mark Andrews and Darren Waller, and you have George Kittle starting to come on and has a dynamic, George Kittle has been absolutely out of his mind the last couple of weeks. And because George Kittle's dominance has coincided with silence from Travis Kelsey, there has been a lot of, well, he's the new best tight end in the NFL. George Kittle is the guy. He is the best tight end in the NFL. Well, 
Travis Kelsey had something to say about that this week. And given how well the tight end position has historically aged for people, I think that Travis Kelsey can continue to be a good tight end, even if he's not necessarily the best of the best, because he's been the best of the best for you know six years. So he can continue to be a really good tight end for a really long time. He's my biggest winner in the NFL this week because I think he quieted a lot of the conversation that was starting to creep up as to whether or not this ended up being a season that was a passing of the torch season. Mm, yeah, so, fair enough. Biggest loser for the week. Nate, who you got? Well, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of probably candidates for this, but my biggest loser of the week is all of us because we had to watch Tom Brady get paraded around like some kind of, you know, hero and 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 listen, Tom Brady made some remarkable remarkable that throw on the sidelines uh in the red zone it ended up being in the red zone down at the, like the three yard line to mike evans where he's throwing the ball off his back foot throws it up in the air a mile and it just falls down right in stride at the sidelines and mike evans was one of the most impressive throws that i've seen in a very long time we are all losers for watching that game play out the way that it did wow sorry guys sorry That's a i'm really included in there i'm a loser in that I mean, would it really be so blase if I said Urban Meyer was the biggest loser of the week? But he I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it anyway. He's the biggest loser of the century, buddy. So for me, the Urban Meyer discussion is this. People who follow college football religiously, who are really in-depth, they already knew that Urban Meyer was a tainted legacy. Nobody who follows the college football landscape in depth had a positive opinion of urban Meyer. No, because of what happened with the Jaguars. Now everybody has a negative mm -hmm. opinion of urban Meyer. So the fact that urban Meyer was able to get a Fox sports analysis job proves that not enough people after his tenure at Ohio state, he's done Florida now though. And Utah and Bowling Green. Not enough people thought negatively of him. Now, enough people all across every walk of life in the United States and beyond think negatively enough of him that he has essentially tanked any opportunity for him to be involved in the game that he loves moving forward. And I understand that he can laugh his way all the way to the bank. And he's made a ton of money and he doesn't need it. But Urban Meyer is a competitor. He loves to win, and he will never, ever get to do it the way he ever wants again. to do it ever again. There won't be a college program. I can't imagine a college program would ever, ever, ever let him go into a recruiting home ever again. I just, yeah, it, it was. That's, it, and the problem was is it was an embarrassment, but it was always sort of set up to fail because, and, and, um, Oh gosh, why can't I remember? Why don't? Why isn't his name popping up? He's one of my favorite analysts. Monday Night Football. Lewis ESPN. Riddick. Lewis Riddick. God bless it, dude. Um, I got you, dude. Thank you. Um, Lewis Riddick said it perfectly. It's the difference between, and so did Pat McAfee. By the way, Pat McAfee called it in 2020 or whenever this this decision was made at the beginning of this year when he before he transitioned to the Pat McAfee show and it was on ESPN. He called this, man. I mean, he called it like he read it and he saw it. 
And it, he went from being a part of the player's everyday life and being in control and telling him what to do, what to eat, how to sleep, to working with men that he has to work with. And that's a big difference. And he, he just, it, 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 nev it never worked. And listen, that the very first decision that he made hiring that, that I, and uh, I don't, it's, his name doesn't belong in my head uh, because it's, it's, you know, I don't, I don't care to remember his name, but the Iowa, you know, weightlifting coach that, you know, did not deserve mm -hmm. a job anywhere. That was the biggest red flag. That should have been the first thing that Shad Khan said. Yeah, this, this was a mistake. And, but like, listen, man, I mean, he's going to end up with the third or fourth shortest tenure of any head coach in NFL history, just short of Bill Belichick's one day with the New York Jets. I know that it was expected for me to take Urban Meyer, but I mean, sometimes obvious things are obvious for a reason. So yeah, that is what it is. And Ladies by the way, and Kelvin, gentlemen, yes, I did throw a gang sign at my cat. He gets it. Yeah, he, 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 he's a cool cat. He knows. He knows what's up. I mean, I don't know if you know this or not, but the slang term for calling somebody your cat, what's up, cat, you know, actually came from Nate's cat. I don't it know did. if you guys know this or not. Just, I mean, huge, huge so, astronomical news dropping on Food for Thought. He had a late dinner tonight because I uh, I went to the driving range earlier. He normally eats around 5 o'clock. He didn't eat till 7. Uh, so this is his post-dinner his post uh, dinner slumber. My other cat is doing the same, but she's on the other side of the home. Uh, but like cats, Bruce... I also require at least a 20 minute cat nap after my meal, because if you do it right, you should be very tired after eating. Wow. I'm this, you know, we're going to have to talk about that later. The whole tired after Deal. eating thing. Okay. Ladies and gentlemen, we did it. We went a little bit over again, but you know what? <laughs> well, time flies when you're having fun. That's right. So thank you for stopping by food for thought this evening. We hope you enjoyed yourself. We hope you're full and we hope you didn't leave hungry.